Hey everyone, I am super excited to share this episode with you. I know many of you have children around you when you're listening to my show, and I wanted to give you a quick heads up uh, to push the pause button right now if you have young ears in the cornfields, as my mother would say. If you have young kids around you, uh, this would not be the episode to listen with them around. This episode is absolutely powerful. We have some amazing discussions. There's some amazing transformation that we talk about. However, the conversation is not suitable for kids. So in this episode, we talk about abuse and we talk about suicide. And I wanted to give you a heads up to make sure that you didn't have those ears around you. It's absolutely a phenomenal episode. I love uh, getting to dive into Wendy's story. And I know that you're going to find some incredible value just as much as I did from just sitting down and talking with her. So with that, enjoy this episode. This is More Than Before with Nathan Cook. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We have an incredible guest today. She is a transformational coach, speaker, an author of two absolutely powerful books. One of those books, Remarkable You, and her brand new book that is out, um, Unmask, Stop Hiding, Start Living. Man, it, it is a phenomenal book. She is a personality on two national radio stations in Australia. She has a huge heart for people who are trapped behind false identities. You know, we put these identities on and she's the perfect person to come on to the show. And I'm excited for her uh, to give us and share with us some of her wisdom that she has gained over the years. Wendy Burns, welcome to the show. How are you today? Oh, well, thank you, Nathan. How exciting to be here from beautiful Darwin, the top end of Australia. Don't you love technology that we can be so close but yet so far? Yeah, you know, it's so funny because I was thinking about this. Like, one of the things that I love about the ability to connect with people from all around the world is that with the topic that I love to talk about on the show is this piece of identity of who we're created to be and how we're supposed to live that out in our daily lives. And it doesn't matter if you're in Portland, Oregon, or if you're on the other side of the world in Australia, we all are searching for purpose. We're searching for meaning in our lives. But I think even more so what most people don't understand is we're searching for identity. And that man, once we find that identity, everything in life just starts to blossom. It starts to open up just like a beautiful flower. Wendy, when we first met, I mean, we, we had a lot of interactions of passing by each other. And I'm like, you know, Wendy, she's the really cool Australian gal. Like, I don't know. There's something about an Aussie accent that just is exciting to me. I don't know. O o Aussie and uh, Irish. Those are the, those are the uh -huh. two accents that I think are just amazing. After we had had a couple interactions here and there, we actually were at a conference together. During that conference, you and I were both going for an opportunity to speak on stage. I would love for you to tell the audience that story specifically because it was one of the most raw and real moments. Like, and I, if I remember correctly, I remember you telling me actually that it was the first time you'd ever shared this incredibly deep and really emotional story in your life. Yeah, sure. It was a very emotional moment for me because my story, and I don't know if you want me to go into my story yet, but I'm just gonna talk about the, what happened in that room, right? I, was, I had the absolute privilege of sitting to this, next to this amazing man that's now facing me today on this screen, Nathan. And when you go for this opportunity on stage, you practice your, your, your talk, what you're going to share, and mine was a really personal, very deep story that I'd never shared with the world, right? It's not a story that you would freely say, hey, this is my story. Not until you yeah. put it in a book, right? Then everybody knows. Um, and I had practice and practice and practice and my turn came and I went on stage and I couldn't even remember my words. The words just, they just wouldn't go together. They wouldn't come out. I was incredibly emotional with it because of the fact that I was speaking it out. And when you speak something out, it becomes real, right? Otherwise, it's just in your heart and in your mind. But Nathan kept encouraging me. You've got this. You can do it. And our speaking coach at the time kept saying, come on, you've got this, You have another go, have another go. And the kindness of that gentleman and the kindness of Nathan got me to stay behind when everybody else left and I had the opportunity to practice it 
and I was called up on stage. So for the very first time, oh gosh, it brings tears to my eyes, Nathan. I got to share my story of how the world tried to rip off who I was created to be, which was an uh, incredible moment of, of standing on a stage. But it happened because of the encouragement from Nathan, the encouragement of our friend called Roddy. We never know what we'll do by encouraging somebody. And because of that moment and because of the standing ovation my story got in that auditorium, I realised that my story had power and that my story was one that needed to be shared. Man, and and you guys, like her story is just so heart-wrenching to hear and the transformation that happened in her life is just absolutely spectacular and we might get into that a little bit today we'll we'll see where the conversation takes us but i do remember very specifically sitting in the audience you know we had this interaction you know she, she kept going over her her talk over and over and i re i remember just seeing you going man like it's okay like there was an emotional piece where you're like i'm trying to keep myself together on stage because i want to be professional i want i you know, I want to be able to share it without getting highly emotional, right? I want to control myself. And if I remember correctly, it was something along the lines of like, that's that's part of your story. It's raw, yeah. it's real. That's what's going to connect with people. And I remember there was a specific point in your talk. You sucked the air out of that room and every single person just gasped. And your story, because of the people that were involved in that story and all the particular pieces... To go through that kind of piece as a child, I think is just crazy. But then for you to turn out who you are is amazing in itself. You know, your life has had a lot of these ups and downs. I'm curious, you know, we could we could go into that story. We can go and I think you have a lot of stories that kind of revolve around this. But I'm I'm curious, what are some of those big stories that were early on in life that you reflect back on and you say, man, because this happened to me right? Not necessarily that you made it happen, but it happened too. You experienced it. What were some of those identity pieces that you picked up along the way that you continue to carry as you grew older into an adult? And that's a really great question because isn't that what happens? I think it's Oliver Wendell Holmes that says we're tattooed by the, I know I'm quoting it wrong and I've used it when I've spoken the environment we're born into, we're tattooed by our tribe, right? And so I was tattooed when I was born into a tribe. Like we are created, I'm a woman of faith, we're created to be a, a certain way. We're created with a purpose and a plan. But then you're tattooed by the things of the world. And so the things that come and they mark you, they imprint upon you. So the things that were imprinted on me by my, my family, by a father and an uncle and, and then life and um, lots of suicide in our family, lots of not so nice things. And I was on that same path because we become marked by the world, but we need to go back and find out who we were before the world told us who we should be. So mm -hmm. I was told that I should be the same as my, my parents, alcoholic, that when life got tough, you took your own life. You know, you had a choice. You could live or die. It was a choice. It's not a choice I've made, obviously, um, but mm. it's what I was tattered with. And we, we hear it often say, you and I will know the phrase, the law of the picture, what you see is what you do. And so when you see somebody do something and they're the ones that are impacting and, and speaking over your life, you think that's what you need to do, but it's not. So they were big things for me that took till I was 34 to realise that I actually had the power of choice. The thing that we have in our hands is what do we have to do? So nothing just says, here you go, magic wand, it's all better. For me to realise that I could actually change who the world said I was going to be and I could mm. go back and, and peel back the layers, which had to I had to start with my attitude, right? I had the worst attitude because the world owed me so much because I'd been so damaged by the world as I grew up that mm. I had a really stinky, smelly attitude. And so attitude was one of the big things for me that gave me a shift and the realisation, and it is for everybody and it's something that I base everything that I do on, is we have a power of choice that's in our hands and we don't often use it. We think that we have to accept what comes at us. And that's what I was doing. I, I was guilty of that. And it took me a long time to fully get it. 
Um, and mm. I'm still learning. Like I, w- I became a really high-functioning control freak. I had to control everything because of everything that had happened to me. So I've had to learn that to let that go and put my trust in another place. You bring up some really good points about attitude. So many people, are their attitude is a response to life. So many people want to react to life situations with their attitude. You know, their attitude changes, you know, in a, in a moment because they are reacting to what is happening, right? Life is happening to me. I love that you say this because I think a lot of people fall into this category of the world owes me. People owe me because of all of this hardship and all of these things that have happened. And we have a lot of people that are saying, this is what I'm owed. When in reality, you actually need to look at this as more of a response to things and situations in your life. Our attitude should be a response to those things. And the difference is a, a reaction just happens without even thinking about it. It's just, it's, it's basic instinct, right? Which basic instinct, it doesn't really serve us well most of the time. No. But a response is something that you chose way before the situation even happened. And you're saying, you know what? This is who I choose to be. Whether someone wrongs me or whether someone hurts me or says something wrong, this is how I'm going to show up. So I love that because so many people are not in control and they feel helpless. What was that kind of like for you growing up? Like, what were some of those moments that you felt helpless when you were younger? And then as you became became older, you started to say, you know what? I can actually start to own these things. I can actually own who I am. And Nathan, it would be, you know, the absolute helplessness that I felt. Um, can I talk about it? I can't not talk about it. When uh, my father committed suicide in front of me and got me to participate in that by handing him his gun, right? 13-year-old helpless situation. I did not know what was going on. And that same night, um, we stayed with an auntie and uncle and um, the the kindness of my uncle, his his way of comforting me was to rape me. So as a 13-year-old, I had this sense of absolute helplessness that was imposed on me by somebody else's uh, desires, thoughts, behaviour. And when those things happen to us, you know, that's a traumatic story. Everybody has a story of some sort. Maybe worse than mine, maybe better than mine, doesn't matter. Everybody has a story. But when other people impose choices on us that are not our choices, how often do we, whether we're a child, teenager, adult, we pick up responsibility for somebody else's choices? And it Mm. took me a long time to realise that I wasn't responsible, even though I wore that responsibility, like to the point that it nearly took my life to realise that I'm not responsible for somebody else's choices. And I get, and I love this statement, and I've written it all through my book and my new book and my new journal, I choose to know who I am. I choose to know my responsibility. I choose to know what I get to do. I choose to know who I am and whose I am. That is such a big deal for me. We, We get so caught up in what's been imposed upon us. And I love what you said about react and not respond. And one of the things that I had to learn and I speak a lot about is attitude, reaction are all tied to our emotions, right? And so we become emotive and we respond in the feeling of the emotion. But our emotions don't always tell us the truth, right? They often lie to us. And for me, my emotions were telling me years down the track when another thing happened that there was only one choice and that was to take my life. That was such a turning Mm. point for me to realise that what I was feeling wasn't truth. And how often does that happen to us as adults? What we're feeling isn't truth and we have to peel back the emotion and say, well, what's the truth of this circumstance that I find myself in? What's the truth here? What's this about? And that was such a turning point for me uh, that, that took me on the road of where I am today. It's so powerful that you say this because so many people right now are so lost and what they're feeling isn't truth, right? We have so many crazy things going on in this world and there are things that people are falling into, these these beliefs that aren't real and people are falling into them and they're 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 swallowing it hook line and sinker right it really is crazy because i really wish that people could take a step back from their circumstances 
and do what you're talking about right now. In fact, I'm actually curious, what would you say to someone who maybe wants to question that piece of truth of like, is this true in my life? Should should I be believing this? What was the process that you went through in your life? Maybe maybe back when you were wrestling some of this stuff, what did you start to go through? Questions you asked that helped you to process what was truth versus what was a lie or, or what was a falsity? And that, that's another great question. It's so important. And, and I teach on this particular question all the time. So we have to peel back. We have to stop in the moment, stop and think about, okay, this is what I'm feeling, but let me just peel back the feeling and we name the feeling. So you could say, if we name it, we actually, when you name the feeling or name the emotion, it actually diffuses it. It takes the, the sting out of it. So I'm angry. Okay. So why am I angry? What is the truth of that? Am I angry because my husband left all the dishes on the sink and didn't pack the dishwasher or wash up while I was at work, you know, making light hard of it? But you know what I mean. Am I angry Hey, don't be that? bringing me into this here, Wendy. You can't just be telling, don't tell everyone that I'm doing that. You know, let's keep this a secret. <laughs> or no. is, the, is the fact that is the truth that I'm really exhausted? I've had a big day at work. I've come home. The traffic has been bad. I've come in. The kids are crying. The dishes are on the mm. sink. So what am I going to do? I look at the sink and I take it out on my husband. If I just stop for a moment and breathe, what is the choice I've got here? What's the truth? The truth is I'm tired. No, there's been a lot going on. What if I stop and just look at the truth and not get caught in that roller coaster or that wave that comes of emotion? Because emotions are like waves, right? We get to yeah. choose which one we'll surf. And some, we should serve. There's some emotions are not all bad, uh, but we learn to shepherd them in a different way and just stopping. Mm. And what's the outcome that I want? Okay, the dishes are all over the sink. Do I want to have a fight with my husband? Or what is the outcome that I want in this situation? I want a peaceful home. I want a peaceful dinner. So maybe we pack the dishwasher together later, whatever it is. But you just mm. come back and you shepherd your emotion in a different way. You just don't let it drive the bus, right? Or we don't let it yeah. take us surfing on every single wave of emotion that comes at us. Lots of analogies oh there for I, you. I I love the analogies though. It, like they're they're just so solid. I, and like just imagine the waves of emotion constantly moving. They kind of toss you around. And I love this practice that you give everyone because it is so practical. Like and and not just thinking in your head of going, oh, that's anger. We're, we're like literally speaking out, mm. I'm experiencing anger, right? I'm experiencing sadness. And what's interesting is there's something about like speaking it, even writing it out, hearing it apart from you and, and seeing it away from your body. There's something yes. about that where you can actually start to process that and go, okay, this is, this is really interesting. How, how do I, how do I want to move forward with this? By the way, this, if you guys are listening, which I hope you are really intently taking really good notes, cause she is dropping some seriously good stuff. This is huge. When you are even in some kind of altercation with a spouse or a loved one or a friend, you have to ask yourself, if you're extremely emotional, you have to ask yourself, what is the outcome that I desire? Yeah. Because immediately you want to lash out. You want to make your point. You, you want to be the one that is right, whatever that is, that emotion that causes you to go, ah, you've got to stop, pause for a moment. And you have to ask yourself, what do I really want in this situation? Do I want a household? Do I want a friendship? Do I want a life that is constantly in conflict? Or do I want to, do I want to be okay with just letting this go? We can talk about this in a moment where we're both not heated and move forward with, it. I, oh man, it, that is so, so remarkably good. There's two words I hear people talk about that have had a lot of past trauma, a lot of things going on. You know, I'm not a psychologist, uh, you know, but I have met a lot of people and just like you who have had a lot of hurt in their life. And there's two words that I think that we use interchangeably. We use them synonymously. And those words are guilt and shame. Wendy, I know that you've done quite a bit of work on separating out what these two terms are, guilt and shame. For for the average listener who might be using them interchangeably, how do you, how do you define what guilt and shame is and and how do you work through that once you've identified which one you're dealing with? And these were words, guilt, shame, uh, that became little demons in my soul that stayed there and tried to control my life, to be honest. Guilt and shame are nasty little creatures and um, 
shame is is imposed on you. We impose it on ourselves. It's imposed on us by others. For example, the night that my uncle raped me, my my auntie told me that it was my fault. So she that I should have been ashamed of myself. So I picked up shame, right? I, mm. I had guilt. I was guilty because it was my fault, right? And then she imposed a shame on me. So I carried that guilt and shame and all the little hanger-oners that come with that worthlessness, hopelessness, all of those things. We need to come back again with emotions because guilt and shame are attached to emotions. We have to go back and unpack what is truth. And I work a lot with women when they talk about the shame they've carried or the guilt they've carried over this or that. We go back and we unpack them when we think about, well, what is actually tied to that? And, again, what is truth? So mm. shame will be imposed on us by ourselves or by somebody else. We're ashamed of what we've done. What's the shame? I feel guilty. I'm embarrassed. All of those things come together. And they all attach themselves to our self-esteem or lack of self-esteem, a lack of confidence, a lack of, of who we are. We don't know who we are. We, we are mm. so lost in those emotions. But what if we stop? What if we stop and just start to say, well, let's unpack this and think about, well, what is truth, right? What is the yeah. truth again? Because always we want to come back to the truth. And it's only when we come back to the truth that we know what is real and what's not. And sure, there's times that there is some guilt we carry for something that we've done. But you know what? We do the forgiveness. We forgive, ask for forgiveness, or we forgive those that have damaged us, shamed us. Forgiveness is such a big deal, Nathan, and that was a, a big thing you asked earlier, what were some of the big points for me? Forgiveness was one of them. Learning the power mm. of forgiveness. Um, and whether whether you've got a story like mine or just somebody's, you know, done something to you at work today, forgiveness is key. And often forgiving yourself for your role in that because so many times we do have a role in those places. So for me, that's how I work through shame and guilt. And you know what? I see mm. lives changed as people unpack this. And you, you mm. mentioned earlier about the power of writing. I'm such a believer in writing and journaling it out. So, you know, in all of my books, Remarkable You or Unmasked, Stop Hiding, Start Living, small chapters, then three big action chapters, you know, action, belief, choice. So what action do you need to take? What do you believe? ABC and what is the choice you're going to make because it's the ABCs in our life, the actions, the choices, are the beliefs and the choices that we make that will get us through any situation that we face. Oh, my gosh. That is, is so good and there's there's so many places that we could go with this. I, I want to I touch on this forgiveness piece because I think a lot of people walk around constantly offended, constantly hurt by other people. And you and I both know we've we've had similar mentors in the past that have that have helped us release these types of things. And the only way that you do release it is through this process of forgiveness. Yeah. I'm I'm curious for you, you know, what what does that look like, that process of forgiving someone? And not necessarily what does that do for the other person, because it doesn't really do anything for the other person. Spoiler alert, it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> no. help the other person. But what does it do for you to be to forgive the offender, whether that is someone that cuts you off in traffic or whether it is such a heinous act that you experienced when you were younger, how do you even go through that process of forgiving someone? Because I know, I know some people that, man, they, they would rather die than forgive the person that hurt them. There's an old saying, anger and hate towards someone, not forgiving someone is, is like drinking poison and hoping the other person is going to die. I know. And, and isn't it's it's yeah. How 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 do you process that piece of forgiveness? Whether you are um, just forgiving someone for something small and minute, or up to some of the biggest heinous things that you could even can't even imagine. How do you how do you go through that process? It's the same thing in lots of ways. Like it is about number one for me. I realized that I needed to go down the road of forgiveness because I was so bitter. You know, I was. It was colouring. When we hold unforgiveness to somebody else, it colours everything we see. It becomes the filter that we see everything through. Like we put on these bitter, angry, bad attitude glasses. Mm. And for me, I couldn't uh, 
go to the people that had damaged me in those early days and um, forgive them and ask them to uh, have them ask me to forgive them. I used my journal. So it really was about mm. really journaling it out. You know, I forgive blah, blah, blah. I give my dad, I forgive whoever it was for what they did to me and the damage that they've done to me. And so it was me I used to journal. And if you, if it's not a safe situation for you to go and say, hey, Nathan, I forgive you for what you did. If that's not a safe environment for you to do that, and quite often it's not, use your journal, the power of just journaling it out. Mm. And sometimes you need to do that more than once. So it's not poof and it's all done, right? It's a process. Yeah. And uh, there was many times after the initial forgiveness of my dad that Father's Day would come around and I'd feel that in my heart I would go back, no, I forgive you for what you did. And I forgive myself mm. for my role in that. Even though I didn't know what you were asking me to do, I still forgive myself because one of the things that we find is forgiving ourselves is harder than forgiving somebody else. What does it do for us? It releases us. It gave me my life back. It gave me who mm. I am today. And so if I had held on to that bitterness, anger, bad attitude, I wouldn't be here with you, Nathan. You know, there's <laughs> there's this piece. I love that you kind of bring this up, that we are really hard on ourselves. It, like We are the hardest people to forgive ourselves. And I think this kind of comes in kind of a kind of a two part process here. First of all, you have the things that happen to you outside of your control, right? And then you know there's an identity that comes from that where 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 the world is putting things on you, your family puts things on you, your friends put things on you, these identity pieces. And then there are the things that we put on ourselves. Yes, there are the things that we actively go, "Yep, that's me, that's me." And I love in your book how you talk about wearing masks and that we all wear these masks. It, it's fascinating because we, we, we pick up these masks that do not serve us. They don't help us. They don't help anyone else around us. And I'm curious, why do you think people choose to wear masks when they could literally just take them off? Why do, why do people choose to put on these masks that don't serve them? I think it's easier sometimes than to face what we need to work through, isn't it? We put on a mask because I know for me, nobody knew what I was going through. I put a mask on to say, hey, I'm okay. Look at me, I'm good. But underneath, there was so much uh, grief, anger, shame, guilt that I carried mm. more every day. If I'd let my mask down, oh, my goodness, people would reject me. There's a fear. And fear's a nasty thing, and I think we need to speak about that. Fear yeah. will keep us trapped behind our masks. If we, we put on our masks because we're fearful, fearful of the fix, fearful of what it will take for us to get healed, to work through this marathon journey that we're on, right? So we keep our mask on. We're fearful that we'll be rejected. Nathan, I was sitting in, in, in my previous church before we moved to Darwin way back in the days when things were really bad, contemplating suicide because if I told anybody, oh, my gosh, they would reject me, right, if they knew my story. A lie, a lie, a lie. It was a feeling, emotional lie. It wasn't my truth. And so we wear a mask to hide what's behind us and we wear more than one, don't we? We wear one for this situation and yeah. one for that situation to the point that we don't know what we're wearing anymore and we lose our identity. We said that in the very beginning, we have all these false identities. And it was only as I dropped my mask that I realised that mm. I am actually a really good person and I have, a, I have the power to turn what was meant to take me out to now empower others to know their truth of who they are. And I love that. So when mm. we drop all of that, we work through, it's a process, right, dealing with the regret yeah. and the emotions and the forgiveness and the attitude and all of those things. But as we do, we, we have this powerful testimony. We have this story. And I was speaking on ABC Radio about um, the power of our story, right? You never quite mm -hmm. know whose life you will change when you share the story. And so we can't share it until we have dropped our mouths and we're ready to say, this is the truth of what happened and I know mm. who I am. That's when we have we get to wear no masks. We know ourselves, Nathan, when we were in pandemic crisis, 
how horrible it was to have a mask covering our identity, who we were, right? That mm-hmm. was pretty horrible. So much we hated about that. But we wear those invisible masks that cover our identity all the time and it takes incredible courage to be able to drop the mask. I talked about fear. Fear mm-hmm. doesn't have to be this big monster that's in front of us. Fear is our little quiet voice in our ear that says, you're not worth this, you're not worthy, they're going to reject you. Um, this, that, something else doesn't have to be a big thing. But it's the yeah. courage that's inside everybody and everybody has courage within them. Everybody has it there. And it's that door that's mm-hmm. inside of us that only we can open, the door with the handle on the inside, and we need to open that door and step through. And the minute we do it, the first step we take through and say, I see you, but I'm going to go ahead anyway, everything changes. And then we continue with those courageous oh steps. Back on stage with, with where we spoke about at the beginning, when they called my name and I went up on stage, that was my first courageous step to share my story. To see how far you've come since then and the doors that have been opened up to you because you took that step to be transparent. You know, often I say this behind closed doors very often, which is transparent lives transform lives because it's within our transparency and our, and our brokenness that we share our stories. It, It really does help other people to open up your, your life has been one of these stories, a testament to people, a catalyst to helping other people open up to begin their transformative lives. Because at the end of the day, each and every one of us, exactly with what Wendy's talking about right now, that so many of us wear a mask. We put masks on with our family. We put masks on, you know, we, sometimes we leave them on and we go to work and we put another one on top of that, or we take one off and we put one on and we're constantly shifting between one mask to the other. And we go, man, I just don't understand why I, why I feel so displaced. I, I feel like I'm removed from people. I feel like there's something that's missing and wrong. But really starting to explore your story, it doesn't, it, you don't have to have a, a, a crazy story, like with what Wendy's talking about, you could have, like, if you've, if you've gone and you've listened to some of the previous podcasts so far for the season, you know, that there are stories of people who have not had these types of situations and yet they still had to go and learn about their stories and who they are. But, you know, what I'm really curious about for you, Wendy, is, you know, when you're sharing your story, your Testament, right? all of these hardships, but also the transformation, who you became along the way, how has that aided in the transformation of other people? And how has that opened up doors to you today that wouldn't have been opened if you were still wearing the masks that you used to wear before? I think the first part of that question, um, how has that aided others? I think it's, if they know somebody that can get through what I've got through, right? So what was meant to take me out has been turned around and is now impacting others' lives so that they can get through. So so you, you choose not to be a victim. I choose to know that I am not a victim. I choose to know that I'm victorious. And so knowing that I can share my story, not to say, hey, look at me, how great I am, never. That is the minute I do that, I never want to share my story again. This is about sharing my story to say, you know what, you can get through this. It is possible. You have to take the journey. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. We have to do the work and be intentional, but you can get through it. And because I did that, this is where I am today. And so sharing my story and writing my first book, Remarkable You, which I've just got a little copy here was the next big step. I'd been to Japan and Ukraine a couple of times, to India, you know, uh, America, sharing my story, but I needed to get it further. So writing it out because I journal and so putting it out to the world. But, Nathan, for me, getting my family to read the full manuscript and to know the full extent of my story before it was published Mm. was the final mask I had to take off. And so they got to read my manuscript of my first book before it went out for publishing so that they would know the depth of my story. Uh, It has opened incredible doors. 
uh, Vision National Radio, ABC Radio of a Monday night for you know a little twenty minute love and bugs te- love and bugs series where we talk about what are the bugs in our lives, right? And what are the what's the love we want in our life? And that's to live unmasked. Um, and many many other doors across the world. And the, not the big doors are the you know they're they're amazing and they're a real gift from God to me. It's the people that I get to work with, the individuals that I get to work with to help them know that if I could do it, it's possible for them. And so that Mm. empowers them to keep their eye on the prize. You know, that finish line, they'll keep going because of it. So if if we do the hard work and we share our story and we don't get stuck in that place where the world has marked us and we search for our true identity, we drop those masks, your, your testimony will be powerful. Whoever you are that's listening to this, no matter what your story is, your words will matter because they'll help somebody see that they matter. It's so good. You know, it's it's crazy to see how far you've come. Like if you if you were like go get go get both of her books because to hear her stories, to hear her journey, it is such an encouragement to anyone in any aspect of life to go exactly with what she said. If she could overcome this surely you can overcome. There are people today that still are experiencing hardships and frustrations and hurts and all these pieces. And they're, they're one, they're making the conscious decision to change, to do something different. You know, whether that's within their attitude, whether that's how they're showing up, whether that's in breaking generational, um, uh, you know, yes. hurts and, and bondage that comes up. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there are so many things that we carry from our past that we need to let go of. In fact, that actually is a question I, w- I want to ask you here, Wendy, you know, to the, to the lay person that doesn't know you, you weren't always this bright and shiny person. Like you weren't probably always this great as an orator being able to speak, right? Like your education, if I remember correctly, was not stellar. How how did you like tell us where you started even from an educational point to where you are today? Because like for myself, I grew up thinking that I was dumb, that I wasn't smart. Even though there were people around me that said I was smart, I never felt like I was smart. And even through all of my schooling in high school and college, I never felt like I was smart enough, which is crazy because people today, like we have these conversations and they're like, wow, like that's really amazing what you said. And I'm like, well, obviously it's not me. That's got to be a God thing at the end of the day. And, but, but they look at me and they're like, no, like you, you have some really great insight and words to speak. And that has been a challenge my entire life. That's been an identity piece that I've had to let go of. So for you, what was your journey through education? to get to where you are today in terms of education and knowledge and wisdom and all those pieces, what have you had to release in order to pick up what God has called you to deliver today? Another great question, Nathan. Look, I had no education. I, um, I went to high school to about year nine. So I didn't, I I looked after my mom after my father had committed suicide. I looked after her before she committed suicide um, many years ago on my birthday, on my 18th birthday. So I, I picked that role up. So I didn't have any education. Uh, I went straight into the workforce, which was pretty dramatic for a 15, 16-year-old at that time. So I didn't think I, I, I had anything to give. Um, and mm. it went that went on for quite a while. And I started to put myself through some technical school training a little bit here and a little bit there but still thinking I had nothing that was worthwhile so I I come from no masters of degrees or anything like that I've got life degrees um I've put myself through a coaching program so I know how to intentionally coach I'm a mediator I put myself through that but even those things Mm. they're just tools right they're just tools what I've done is I've learned to listen and I've learned to become who I was created to be before the world told me who I was meant to be. So I needed to come back and find out who that was and so that I could move fully in my purpose. So it doesn't matter if you've got no education, you will find a way, but you need to take intentional action. And it was me taking, how can I learn? What do I need to learn? How do I apply that? What does that look like for my life? How do I help somebody else apply that if I don't understand? what that means so it's been a process 
um, and one that I'm still on. Like, I hope I get to do yeah. this till the day I die, to be honest, because I love, I love what I get to do. But it's been a journey. It's a marathon, and um, marathons are not always easy. Sometimes you trip over, you fall down, you get back up. As long as you finish, it doesn't matter about the times you fall over on the journey. The fact that you get back up and you keep going, and that was key for me, is get back up, mm. get back up, and get back up. And so that's what I encourage people to do. Okay, we might take three steps backwards, but next time we're going to take six forward. So that, that's what my journey has been. I love your transparency throughout our entire conversation. You know, it's funny because when you meet, when you meet Wendy, she's so kind, she's so open-hearted, and she just has these eyes. When, when she stares at you, she looks at you, you know that she sees you. You know, you know that you're being heard. You know that she is hanging on every single word because she truly does want to know your story because she understands how important people's stories are. I want to ask you this question because I think it's, I think it's funny to me because I have seen you in some pretty amazing circumstances being, being asked to come up and talk about uh, a value of uh, John Maxwell. Yeah. You you shared the stage with John talking about attitude, if I'm correctly, uh, you know, which, which which is funny because this attitude piece is truly one of those things that is like at your core of understanding, okay, like I'm in control. And, and so from your perspective, because I think most people looking at your story would go, oh my gosh, like you have some great success. You've overcome some amazing things like rah, rah, like let's, let's, let's give her a round of applause and cheer for her. But I'm curious from your perspective, what has been your greatest achievement in life up till this point where, where we are right now, what would you say your greatest achievement is? Uh, besides my family, right? my husband, my children, my soon to be 14th grandchild. So we've got a big family. So the fact that I have this generational inheritance has changed. That's, that's been a huge achievement. So just pop that aside. Um, it's hard to put that aside, isn't it, really? Because that's my life. <laughs> but um, I mean, that is, is a huge thing. It's not, I don't think we should ever discount that because yeah. I think we discount that too much. We discount the personal side. So I think, I think I'm going to give you two, you know, what are the two greatest achievements? So you, you've okay, got family. So, We're so going to put family, that right up there. My family and breaking a generational inheritance that would have taken my family uh, the same road as my mum mm. and my dad and my two sisters that have all committed suicide, right? I broke that generational inheritance. So that is a huge achievement for my family and the generations to come. The second one, oh, gosh, I've, you know, there's been Australian Day Awards for being kind and caring to people. But I think my books, Remarkable You and Unmask, have been um, putting my life out there in the world for everybody to see has been a big deal for me and not only a big deal of writing it and getting it published with some of the most amazing publishers that we know. Um, it's knowing that I had the courage to do that. Mm. Once it's out there, you can't take it back, right? You can't take it back. So I had the courage to put it out there with the outcome that I wanted. Remember what I went back before about what is the outcome that you want? And that is to help people find their way, to help them know who they are and to help them know whose they are and to drop the mask and fully live in who they've been created to be. I think that's my greatest achievement. You know, it doesn't matter about the radio stations and all of those things. They're, they're absolutely incredible blessings that I never take for granted. But the fact that somebody would buy my book and then work through the action steps and then reach out and say, you saved my life, you changed my life. Nathan, I went to Ukraine my second trip there, I was sent out into the middle of nowhere where that the plane crashed afterwards. Um, and I had a lady in the audience that heard my story and she said she was going to go home that night and commit suicide because she felt like she had nothing left to live. But I bought her hope. I bought her hope by sharing the story of being able to get through. So it wasn't about... It was the fact that I shared a story so she could anchor to a story of hope. See, we never quite know, do we? We don't know who mm. listen to this podcast and say, gee, I needed to know that I could drop those masks and 
find that I have a life on the other side of it. And you know what, Nathan? Mm. I wouldn't change any of my life. I wouldn't change any of the bad things. And there's been a lot more than we've spoken about today. I wouldn't change any of it because it's made me who I am. It's absolutely so powerful. And I'm sure that you guys can feel it right now. She just leaves you speechless as she's talking about her journey, as she's talking about the impact that a story can have on someone, someone's life. You know, it's funny because as you were talking, I, I was reminded of a, I was, I was competing in a, in a speaking competition early on in my career. And I was, I wanted to be first. I wanted to be the best person, you know, on, on the, on the docket for speaking. And I remember I was driving to that event and I got a text from one of the other competitors and, the, and he said, are you ready to battle? And I felt so disgusted deep down in my soul. Like, I don't, I don't want to battle. I don't, I don't want to be first anymore. Like I realized that that wasn't really what I wanted. What I wanted was I wanted to be able to tell a story that would, that would cause change in someone's life. And so, yes. you know, as, as you, as you were talking about this woman that comes up to you and says, you know, tonight I was going to take my own life. It reminded me of this story. You know, I, I had told this story at this conference about the need to forgive, the need to forgive the people that are around us that have, that have hurt us. We need forgiveness from others sometimes for the wrongs that we've done towards others. Mm -hmm. And then this last piece that I think was not uh, expected was we need to forgive ourselves because at the end of the day, we're our worst critic, we're our worst judge. And you ultimately have to give up the judge's seat and give it back to God at the end of the day. Yes. Because you and I were so bad at being a judge. We punish ourselves. We, we knock ourselves down. We say, you're just going to continue to pay the price for what you did wrong. And you, you got you to gotta forgive yourself and you got to go forgive other people. And so I, I was just I was speaking, you know, I just rewrote my entire speech 24 hours before the competition. So at this point, like I didn't think I was going to place, which I didn't. And that was completely fine. But, but here's, here's the kicker, Wendy at the, I think the conference was still going on and these two older women, um, to me, they were older. They were probably maybe in their mid sixties. So they're still pretty young, but they came up to me while another talk was going on and they said, Nathan, we just wanted to tell you, we know you probably didn't win, but we left and we had to go call our sister. And we, we wanted to ask for forgiveness and we wanted to mend that relationship because we realized that life was too short to go on carrying what we were carrying. And my gosh, Wendy, when you have those moments of sharing transparency, of sharing parts of your story that open people up to change, to be able to wrestle with those things, there is, there is nothing like it. But it always comes back to this piece of you have to be courageous. Yes. You have to step out and have a vision for what God is calling you to. You may not know like perfectly in HD what it might be. It might be a little bit blurry. It might be a little bit fuzzy at the end of the day. But at the end of the day, we have to have a vision of, you know what? I'm going to tell this story. Even, you know, I love Les Brown. Les Brown stands on, in early on in his career, he would go and he'd speak at a place and he just wasn't, it wasn't enough. And so he'd go out and he'd speak on the corner of the places that he was already, he, or he'd go to, you know, another part of town and he just starts speaking on the street corner because he had this desire in him to fill people, to help people change, to, to be different, to make a choice. And I love that about your story. I think it's so powerful. I have one more question here that I want to ask you, Wendy, but like, I, I so appreciate you coming on, being transparent, sharing your story. Cause I know so many people are taking some amazing no uh, notes. They're, they're writing voraciously, just like, Oh my gosh, this is so good. All the wisdom that she's just pouring out. Uh, I, I absolutely love it. But before I ask you this question, I want to, I want to ask all of you that are listening right now, I want to encourage you go check out Wendy's website, go, go check her out. And you are going to find uh, her books there. But actually, you know what? You don't even have to go to her website. You can actually go to Amazon and you can order both of her books. And I encourage you, get both of them. Get both of them. But especially her newest one, uh, Unmask. Stop Hiding, Start Living. You can find it on Amazon, like I said. It's an absolutely great book, powerful book. And it will help you in taking those masks off. So here, here's the question I have for you, Wendy. 
you've had a life filled with all kinds of obstacles. We've talked about some of them. There have been some little things here that you've kind of dropped into our conversation that if you go back and you re-listen to this, you're going to go, oh my gosh, I can't, that was something else. Like, I can't believe that. Um, you have taken off the masks that you have worn for so long. And you're truly starting to shine and you're truly starting to reflect God's truth in your life. What would you say to the person who's wrestling with their identity right now? That that they feel like they have to wear a mask. That, man, I, I can't just put this down. I can't show people like this thing deep down inside of me. I will get rejected. I feel like I will. How how do you how do you tell them to start their journey to look in the mirror again of who you were created to be? To to step out in courage, to have that vision. What would you what would you call them to? It's a great question, and I want to be really wise with my response. I want to say, start to believe in you. Start to know that when you drop your mask, because you will need to drop your mask to be able to become all you created to be. Let me speak to you. Let me speak to the person that's having trouble dropping their mask. That's a mask that somebody told you should wear. You were created to be more than that. You were created with a purpose and a future. So if you have the courage, tell the fear to get lost. Doesn't matter. I can hear you, but you're not going to make any difference. I'm going to squish you with my feet and jump over. Drop your mask and start to tell yourself the truth. Choose to know who you are and whose you are. Choose to know that you are worthy and, and incredible and amazing and wonderful and beautiful in who you've been created to be. Don't believe the lies of the enemy because they're meant to take mm. you out. Believe the truth and start to journal on your truth. Start to think about who am I under this mask? Start to write that out. Use your journal. Start to, to find your identity because your identity is worth it. It is mm. imagine how people will see you when they see your identity, but it has to start with you and you have the power of choice. Grab my book. Not that I'm in about selling the books, but it's about the actions. You know, I speak about emotions and and, and remarking your life and, and regret and, and the movies we play over in our lives and all those things that want to keep us stuck. But take the action steps, the ABC, and that will help you drop your mask because you are worth it. So amazing. Go get her book. Remember, actions, belief, choice. Get the book, dive in a little bit more, and really start removing those masks. Wendy, my friend, thank you so much for being on the show. For all of you listening, remember to subscribe to the podcast, like it, share this episode with someone. There is someone in your life right now that needs to hear exactly what Wendy just dropped right now. It, it is so good, and so many people can benefit to this wisdom to this bright, wonderful woman who's just shining light on the world. Until next time, be more, see more, experience more together. 